I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as falls and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings reported. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Amazing about it, I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. I'm Scott. Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! Hello there. It's your favorite host in all the podcast. I'm Obi-John Kenobi, coming to you with your weekly Nerd Alert. Uh, thank you for joining us once again. Uh, let me introduce to you these wonderful, wonderful cast we have joining us for this week uh, with a really fun topic that you're going to love. Um, he is... See, I never come up with these until we literally do the episode. Um, he's the Dr. Henry Wu of the show because uh, he knows more than us and he likes to rub it in. Uh, the man who keeps the nerdy and taught nerdy to me network, Commander Scott. Speaking of knowing more than you, <laughs> actually, I found that you knock him down. I came up with something, or not came up with something. I came across something uh, today that has piqued my interest. Um, apparently, it is theoretically possible to travel back and forth in time. Uh, two physicists have developed a mathematical model for a "quote unquote" time machine based on Einstein's theory of relativity, which was finally proven in 2015, um, that gravitational fields are caused by distortions of the fabric of space-time. What's holding us back, of course, is the technology that can physically bend space-time hasn't been invented yet. And on a deeper dive, because when I saw this, I, I had to find some actual information. I couldn't just go off a blurb that popped up on my feed. Um, 31 March 2017... Benjamin K. Tippett and David Tsang, that's T-S-A-N-G, so Tsang, I guess, mm -hmm. published the paper in Classical and Quantum Gravity called Traversable A-Causal Retrograde Domains in Space-Time. It was published in Volume 34, Number 9, and I have got to get my hands on this paper because it, it looks awesome. They present geometry which has been designed to fit a layperson's description of, like I said, a quote-unquote time machine. It's a box which allows those within it to travel backwards and forwards through time and space as interpreted by an external observer. Uh, Time-like observers travel uh, within the interior of a, a quote-unquote bubble of geometry which moves along a circular a-causal trajectory through space-time. Uh, uh, yeah, it just, I don't know. I want my hand, I get my hands on this paper because I, I want to read this. I, I can't understand maybe 10% of it, but I want to read this. Okay. Couple of quick follow up questions. Yes. Number one, the box that you travel through time and space in, is it, is it 
big and blue. The pay well the 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 uh, uh, the summary of the paper doesn't say. Uh huh. Because if they wrote a whole paper about a big blue box that travels in time, I think what you had there was some uh, some some uh, late semester term paper that somebody forgot about, and they uh, binged Doctor Who and then wrote a paper about it. As I think what you just stumbled across, Scott. You think I stumbled across Doctor Who uh, fanfic? Yes. Yeah. No, <laughs> I get my hands on this article. But if uh, if I'm wrong and it does exist, come back to this exact moment and prove me wrong. Ah, see, I'm right. Okay. <laughs> uh, writing out the cast, uh, our cast of characters. Uh, Doc, we've got Doc here. See, nobody cares. <laughs> Joining us from somewhere in time and space, perhaps via a box that some people wrote a paper about. It's the Doc. They're lethal at eight months, and I do mean lethal. You nice. did it. You did it, you crazy son of a bitch. You actually did it. We're going to make a fortune with this place. <laughs> I bring I bring scientists. You bring a rock star. <laughs> That's a Jeff Goldblum impression. Nice. Uh, actually... Scott will probably appreciate this too, but when they're talking about um, him being a mathematician and he says chaotician, uh, chaos theory is a branch of mathematics. And um, it deals in probabilities of improbable events. I like that. Uh, so, like, there's a class offered at UNI on chaos theory, and, like, basically, there is a probability that any moment in time the Earth will lose its gravitational pull from the sun and go flying off into space. And there's actually a calculation for that. The number is not zero. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> it is not zero. So, uh, yeah. I have, a, I have a new love of the chaos theory part of the mathematician thing after college, so... Well, in case we haven't given it away yet, uh, we are your Nerd Alert crew, and this week we are doing a deep dive into one of our favorite franchises, because we haven't done one of these special episodes in a while. This is a state of the franchise for Jurassic Park. No, if you're going to say it, say it right. Jurassic this, Park. Sorry. Welcome to state of the franchise about Jurassic Park. <laughs> Okay. Thank you, Doc, for providing our non-copyright infringement knockoff version of the Jurassic Park theme song, <laughs> based on themes originally whistled by the Doc. I I could get a recorder and play it for you. Oh my God, do it. Uh so, um, we haven't done one of these episodes in a while, so the basic format of this is we're, we're spending the whole show talking about the Jurassic Park franchise. We're going to break that down into three segments of varying length. Number one, we're going to look at the movies we've gotten so far. Uh, then we're going to look at what is coming down the pipeline. And then we're going to end it with what do we as fans want to see from this franchise going forward. Um, so, without further ado... Let's get to it. The year is 1993. 
No, now it's 2021. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking you back in the way oh, back machine. That see. box you talked about earlier. Get in that uh, box. Uh, uh, okay. Mentally. And set your dial to 1993. And see see if the cat's alive. Hey oh nobody? Oh, okay. uh, different, uh, different uh, box. Uh, different box. Hey Schrodinger's cat reference. <laughs> I love you, Doc. You know that, right? In case you wonder whether the show is called Nerd Alert, we're earning that title this week. 1993, one movie, tearing up the box office, shattering records with a 1.03 billion, with a B, worldwide box office off of a $63 million budget, currently holds a Rotten Tomatoes score, both critic score and user score of 91. The instant classic, Jurassic Park, hits theaters. Guys... Do you have any memories or recollections of your first time seeing this film? Yes. Oh, I saw yes. Sorry. One at a time. Sorry. You asked us both. You're right. Scott, would you like to go first? I saw this movie in theaters. Uh, 93, I would have been shit hell. Front, front, front years old. Yep, gotcha. How old are you when you start high school? 13, 14? 14. 14. 14, 14 15. Yeah, that'd have been, uh, it came out in the summer, so I would have been 13 going on 14. Or 14 going on 15. Hell, I don't know. Somewhere along in there. Um, I remember this. My aunt took myself and two of my cousins to the, the cinema in Bardstown, Kentucky. I think it had two screens. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't exactly remember that. We had dinner at McDonald's. I had chicken nuggets. I know this because I always have chicken nuggets. So it's not much of a stretch. Not um, because the memory is that powerful. It's just because you always have chicken nuggets. Yep. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I, I first saw this. The uh, you know, Of course, you, you get the, the whole thing, the, the dinosaurs and stuff. The problem was uh, here that, we go. That, that I got taken out of the movie. Um, because uh, at the beginning of the movie, uh, you know, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, the, the spare no expense guy, uh, John Hammond. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. General Hammond. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he takes the, the people through the, the whole, you know, the, 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 the spiel about how they do it, you know, how they, where they get the blood from and Mm -hmm. how they do the cloning process and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, one of them, and I don't remember which one. I, th- I think it's Doctor Grant. He he asks them, "How do you control the cellular mitosis?" And they never explain it. It's never touched on. He asks the question, but nothing is ever said, and it never comes back up. And it bugged the shit out of me. And even going coming out of the theater, I'm like they never explained how they control cellular mitosis. I was really pissed about that the entire like the rest of the night. It upset me. That's that's the biggest thing that I remember seeing this movie. They never explain cellular mitosis. Scott, that is chicken nuggets never tasted right. (laughs) In the industry, we call that uh, putting a lampshade on it. Well, by having the character say that out loud in the movie, we have addressed to the audience. Yeah, we know it's a thing. Now shut up. It just makes me ask the question: Why aren't you telling me (laughs) cellular mitosis? You are talking to a kid who reads Star Trek manuals for fun and makes his own audio books of them. You are 
really going overtime on the nerdy today. Uh, I'm sorry. You can't uh, dangle this carrot in front of me and then, you know, not not give it to me. Clearly we did. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> I'm still waiting. Uh, Steven, Steven Spielberg, Lucas Dude, whoever the hell it was. I'm still waiting. I, I want my answer. Jason, what was your first reaction? Were you taken uh, out of it by the cellular mitosis? No. <clears throat> I I was taken to go see Jurassic Park. So in 1993, I would have been eight. Yeah, we were yeah. between third and fourth grade. Yeah. Yep. And uh, dad, my dad took uh, me and my brother Chris to go see it. And uh, he sat in between us because, you know, brothers are going to brother. And uh, he didn't. <laughs> He didn't want us brothering in the movie theater, so he sat between us. And I remember just being so enthralled with the movie the whole time and then just scared completely shitless when the Velociraptors entered the kitchen. I could not watch that scene. I put my head down. Like, I wasn't watching the screen. And I remember my dad turning to me going, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I can hear Lester, are you okay? Because I'm not like, taking you out of here. We paid money to be here. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And then, like, watched the end of it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And it, it stuck with me so much. Like, it, because I had a, like, all little kids love dinosaurs. Um, I actually read the Michael Crichton novel in fifth grade. Uh, I understood about 80% to 80 to 90% of the words. Um, but, like, I read it, read the whole thing. I could read the words. I just didn't know what some of them meant. Yeah, you understood what the word meant on its own. But strung together in a sentence, I was confused, yes. I was just like, okay, yeah, I can read this word. I have absolutely no idea what it means, though. <laughs> uh, nice, man. Uh, my mom took me to see this film. And this is one of my favorite stories about my mom ever. She took me to see it because she knew how much I wanted to see it. Um, and she was worried about it being too intense for me. I want you to keep that in the back of your mind as I tell you the rest of this story. <laughs> so we get in there and the film, uh, which is a perfect blend of action and suspense and, and, you know, enough comedy to kind of relieve tension. Uh, but like Jay pointed out, there are some scenes where shit kind of gets real. Uh, the tension gets cranked up a bit at a certain point in the film. My mom because she falls for every jump scare ever created and does not do well with tension in movies, um, grabs hold of my arm. Every time there's a jump scare, she grabs my arm. Every jump scare. The entire movie. We leave the theater, and there is a literal red ring around my arm (laughs) from how often and how tightly my mom has grabbed my arm because she was scared of the film she thought would be too intense for me. Uh, I just, I have one question thinking about Nancy. Yes. How did she handle um, the, uh, God, I'm drawing a blank because I know all their names. Um, the the Ellie scene in the, where the raptor head power bunker where her? the raptor, yeah. Oh. She fucking lost it, dude. If, if she would have had anything near her hand, it would have been in the fucking air. Uh, totally lost. Out of her seat, lost it. 
Sattler, Ellie Sattler. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think yes. we're in business. Boom. Yeah. No. Oh man. Oh, I could oh. see it. I could see it. Um, <laughs> Dad was the complete opposite. Like, I don't remember him. I don't remember him eating popcorn. But like, imagine that Michael Jackson gif of eating the popcorn, staring intently at what's going on. <laughs> like that was Dad the entire movie. Like, oh, look at that. You know, and like, the my favorite scene had to be when the T Rex breaks out, and it's very oh, yeah. intense, but that it's very sequence. good, very well done. Um, so yeah, it's one of those films everyone in some has seen it. Um, it's it it was just one of those rare films that was the perfect property, the perfect director, perfect cast, everything just came together and gelled with that movie. Uh, it's one of those, the rare movies where you kind of it, it marks time as far as movies go into there was everything before this movie and now there's going to be everything after this movie. Uh, it, it revolutionized literally how movies get made uh, and not just in the obvious things like CGI, like, oh, hey, fake dinosaurs. Cool. Got it. Um, even some real subtle things. Um, one of my favorite little bits of trivia there's a scene where they're crawling through the ceiling trying to get away from the raptors, and one of the raptors jumps and knocks out a ceiling tile, and, um, um, crap, what's the girl's name? Lex. Uh, thank you, Lex. Falls through and dangles, and they grab her and pull her back up. Well, if you look really closely, she falls, and then as she's swinging, she looks up at the camera, then puts her head back down. Well, that shot was a uh, stunt woman. And when she looks up, you see it's not the actress. It's the stunt performer. Well, it was the best take they had. So what they did is they, for that split second, CGI the actress's face over top of the stunt double's face. Really subtle shot. I didn't know for, for years. Didn't know that was in there at all until I was watching like a behind-the-scenes thing about it. Um, it, it, it. Again, it was right there at the cusp of digital effects starting to take over. Uh, but what I think makes the movie so hold up so well uh almost 30 some years later <clears throat> is that oh over 30 seconds god i'm old now um but what holds up or what makes the movie hold up is it wasn't overly reliant on that cgi for every cool big t-rex and you know gallimimus herd scene uh you also have like jay pointed out that whole t-rex breakout scene where they cut back and forth between cgi t-rex and full-scale animatronic T-Rex. That scene where it tries to break in through the, the Explorer, through the, the glass in the roof, that ain't CGI. Yeah. There's, no act, there's no acting involved in that scene. That is a full-sized robotic T-Rex smashing through the car roof. Not on purpose. <laughs> That's uh, important to add. It yeah. was not on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it is, and because of that, you know, the raptors and the, you know, the first big scene you get with the dinosaur besides the brachiosaur is that sick triceratops, which was a complete, full, real, uh, practical dinosaur. And, and the, because the movie didn't, I think, because it, the technology was so new, they didn't want to be, completely uh depended upon that they they didn't trust it fully yet we got those amazing stan winston uh studios real dinosaurs 
And I think that's part of what helps the movie. Even now, you watch it. It's, it's not to say that CGI is bad. CGI, it, even for its day, for its day, was revolutionary. Um, it, it's it still holds up pretty well. Uh, I just I wanted to go back to that raptor scene real quick yeah. where they're in the ceiling. And one of my favorite little things, little details, was it and like. I know Easter eggs were a thing in other movies before this, but one of my favorites in this is the light shining on the Velociraptor actually are letters. Oh. And the letters are A, C, G, and T, which, um, and I couldn't remember what the actual chemicals were, but I, so I looked it up. They are adenine, cytosine, guanine, guanine and thymine which make up DNA. So the letters shining on the Velociraptor are actually the DNA letters because it is a DNA-replicated dinosaur. That is a nerdy fucking reference wrapped up in a geeky Easter egg, and I love it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um yeah, I mean, I could sit here and, and just uh, uh, shove sunshine up this movie's butt all day. I love it. Um, it's got that. <clears throat> it's not overly concerned with being 100% scientifically accurate, like Scott has pointed out. It was more of make the science real enough that it's plausible and we'll go from there. Um, it's essentially an old school mad scientist movie. I mean, if you describe the plot to somebody, okay, this super rich guy has a private island that he flies a bunch of people to where he's recreated dinosaurs, uh, and then they get loose and they start eating people and they have to escape the island. With a lesser budget in a different era, this is a shitty Roger Corman movie <laughs> about a yes. mad scientist playing God with dinosaurs. But uh, it would have had uh, uh, what's his name uh, uh, Ray uh, uh, Harryhausen. Harry yeah, it would have had his and a stop motion um, special effects, and it would have been awesome. No, okay. <laughs> First of all, if it was Corman, no, it would not because Corman wouldn't pay Harryhausen what Harryhausen would want because Corman makes shit on the cheap. Um, but I'm glad you bring that up, Scott. Because here's another nerdy reference for you. You ready for this, Jay? Before. They committed to doing CGI dinosaurs. They hired a guy named Phil Tippett to do essentially stop motion. The process is now called go motion. Uh, It's advanced a bit since the days of Harryhausen, but Tippett studied under Harryhausen. Uh, It was the most advanced um, stop motion to date uh, where they added motion blur and things like that to it to to make it look as, as photorealistic as possible. And they hired him to do the effects for the dinosaurs. Then uh, the uh, ILM came and said, hey, we think we can do this digitally. And and Spielberg wasn't ready to fully trust the this new technology with his $63 million movie. Um, so he told them to do a test and to prove that they could. He gave them the gallimimus scene and said, do a test. Uh, so at first it started and it, it was like just literally skeleton bones doing the running motions. And he's like, okay, that's nifty, but these aren't dinosaurs in a museum. You got to show me a real dinosaur. So they kept working on on this, not exactly the scene as you see in the, in the movie, but just like a herd of dinosaurs running and then changing direction. They brought the finished thing to Spielberg. Spielberg was really impressed by it. 
he brought Phil Tippett in to observe it too. And when it was over, someone asked Phil Tippett, so what do you think? And Phil Tippett said, I think I'm extinct. <laughs> Which they worked into the movie. <laughs> and that exchange between Alan Grant and Malcolm, when someone says, I think I'm out of a job. Uh, don't you mean extinct? That came yes. from Phil Tippett. Nice. Uh, who did not lose his job, by the way. Ha- happy ending to the story. Uh, because the, the animators at ILM were still very, very new to getting photorealistic motion. Uh, they built, they, they took an armature, which is what um, stop motion uses. It's the, the, the metal skeleton underneath whatever, you know, King Kong or dinosaur or whatever you're using uh, that you manipulate in precise ways uh, and then take the picture and then put the pictures together and now you have go motion. So they took an armature and hooked it up with sensors uh, that fed that movement data into the computer so Phil Tippett could do the stop-motion manipulating movements on an armature and send that information to the computer to help them get the fluid motion of the dinosaurs. So he was not completely out of a job uh, to, to, to put the new technology. <laughs> and now that I put you all to sleep. <laughs> uh, anything else to add about the first Jurassic Park? Uh, we all we, we all enjoy it. Yes. Okay, then. Moving on. I get tired about it for days and days, but we should move on. (laughs) Okay, moving on. 1997. uh, We get, uh, I believe, the only sequel Michael Crichton ever wrote. Uh, The Lost World, colon, Jurassic Park. Right away, away, the title gives me, (laughs) it frustrates me. (laughs) There's already a book called The Lost World that has dinosaurs on an island. That's not an homage, Michael Crichton. That's just ripping it off. Uh, but anyway, moving past the title. Uh, movie had a $73 million budget, if you're keeping track. That's $10 million more than the last one. And brought in a grand total of $618 million worldwide, which, if you're keeping track, is less than $1.03 billion. Uh, has a current Rotten Tomato score of 53% critic score. Ooh. 51% audience score. Don't worry. It'll get worse as we go. Yeah. Uh, gentlemen, your thoughts on The Lost World? I also saw this in theaters. <laughs> okay. Um, there's a trend here. You'll see a trend with these <laughs> movies. Um, saw it in theaters. Uh, at first, I was impressed with it because it was another Jurassic Park movie. Mm-hmm. But after I watched it more and more, I get less and less impressed with it. And one of the main reasons is because, like I said, in fifth grade, I read Jurassic Park. I still have the same copy that from fifth grade sitting on my little bookshelf in my room right now. And beat up white paperback with the gold sticker that says soon to be a major motion picture. Yes. Yeah. My grandma gave me her copy. Um, And it's I read it so many times and you're like yeah ian malcolm dies and then you read the lost world and you're like why do you bring ian malcolm back this is stupid but then of course in the movie ian malcolm doesn't die so they had to bring him back so actually michael Crichton, he wrote i think it he wrote the book after he found out that spielberg was making a sequel no the book sequel came first it was it, fully yeah it was fully michael crichton's idea to to retcon that malcolm lived because uh, spielberg said he didn't want to make a sequel until after crichton had written the book 
Okay. But it, <clears throat> anyway, the fact that Malcolm lived in the book it was ridiculous. And uh, now Jurassic Park and the movie don't line up hardly at all. Oh, no. We'll get into and, that. Yeah. But The Lost World, even so, still does not line up with what we got in the movie. Well, it does to a point. Yeah, but, I mean, there's some stuff that you're like, what? Yeah. Now, I was I was with you, Jay. So I did not read Jurassic Park, the book, before I saw the film. I saw the movie first, and I was telling my grandma how much I loved it. And she'd seen she'd read the book but hadn't seen the movie. So she, oh, you love it so much here? And she handed me the, the first book. And I attempted to read it uh, in fifth grade. I was not as persistent as Jay. I gave up. I was like, I don't understand what's going on. I'm like 50 pages in. There's no dinosaurs yet. I'm bored. Um, yay, ADHD. But for this movie, I'd read uh, Michael Carton's book before the movie came out. So I was super excited. Um, I was also hanging out with Eric Broman a lot at the time. And that guy was a total Jurassic Park nerd. So my hype level for this movie was high. And at first, I liked this movie. I was feeling, I was like, hey, this, this, because again, it, it's loosely based on the events of, of the novel. Okay, Malcolm's back. He's the main character. And there's an, another island and we're sending the people there. It's, it's the bones of the book are there. The details are changed a bit. Um, but it has that kind of uh, aliens feel of like the first one uh, being alien. And this one is like, you know, we got a, um, how does Malcolm phrase it? A few dozen Marlboro men with machine guns on the island. And we're going to capture dinosaurs and take them back. Um, I was kind of feeling it. And then that third act hits. And I'm just like, when did we go to a Godzilla movie? I'm, yeah. I'm, how did we get, how, how did we get here? What ha- We were on an island. And now we're, and now giant um, seventy six gas station balls are floating by the camera. I'm confused. Uh, yeah. What's even more confusing is when you find Scott, out. No. Oh. Go ahead. When 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 you find out that that scene with the the cargo ship was supposed to include velociraptors, but they cut it. Yeah. And, and but still left it. Yeah. <laughs> There's what took me out of the movie. That fucking dangling hand. Right? You're like, how'd the T-Rex get in there? So he broke out, somehow squeezed into the bridge of the ship, ate a guy, left his hand there, and then walked back into the cargo bay? I'm confused. Yeah. Sorry. Scott, your thoughts on the Lost World? Well. Sorry, so- specifically the Lost World Jurassic Park, not the <laughs> Sir Arthur Conan Doyle novel. I have to be very specific when it comes to Scott. Well, apparently I just prepped for the wrong damn show then. Okay. <laughs> I was wondering why we were going from Jurassic Park to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. <laughs> I reread that book last night for nothing. Okay, nothing. let's go from an, an island off Costa Rica to a random plateau in Africa, <laughs> I think, right? Somewhere in there. Oh, no, I, I, I'm not. So I've never read the, the Jurassic Park books. Uh, I, I, I saw the movie, like the first movie, like I said, in theaters, I think I may have seen it once or twice since. Uh, so I'm not like a huge, you know, Jurassic Park fan, fan. Uh, and unlike, uh, you know, Doc said earlier, you know, all little kids love dinosaurs. I never really cared for dinosaurs. They didn't do anything for me. They were just big lizards. I'm like, okay, cool. Don't care. Um, because I was very much into, you know, the science and non-cloned dinosaurs don't do anything for me. But 
I did see this movie. I don't remember if I saw it in theaters or not, or if I saw it later on the uh, rental or whatever. But I've only seen it once. I never went back and saw it again because the cast in this movie, I just, I did not like. There, there was no character in this movie that I liked. None. Uh, I, I missed the fact that uh, Sam Neill wasn't in it because I love Sam Neill. Uh, and all we had was, you know, all we got was Jeff Goldblum. But what really took me out of this movie and what made me hate this movie, and this is one of those, uh, I'm going to call it, I now dub these the, the Martian incidents. Because oh, I, I had to stop the movie and yell at it. <laughs> oh, Somebody exhaled oxygen. And that was when that damn trailer goes over the cliff in like, was it like <laughs> a foot and a half of mud and this Ford F-150 drags it back over in torrential downpour with no traction. Sir, that is a Mercedes and we are going to sell that car. <laughs> That'd be the most badass Mercedes truck ever because it did what no vehicle on the planet could do because the truck, the, the trailer had twice as much mass as it did. The minute that that trailer's center of mass went over that, guess what? Truck gone. <laughs> there is no truck pull back over. No, 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 no. But, trailer's but, center of mass falls over. That's it. Game over, man. But but engine go of room. Engine, apparently it did. Because that truck dug into, like I said, six to eight inches of mud and all of a sudden just pulled that trailer right back over the, the that, that cliff. And I'm like, what the fuck did i just watch mercedes knows how to build an suv man <laughs> tell you what i stopped the movie and i went ain't away in hell that did <laughs> that truck is not that heavy <laughs> i love that that's what took you out of it that's what pissed me off uh... as soon as that happened i'm like oh fuck it i'm done with this movie <laughs> uh well and look this is something i didn't really think about until last night when i was prepping for the show but any other movie franchise, when you get to the second movie and you're looking at the cast list and you only see one cast member from the first movie returning, within the other franchise, I was like, oh, that's a bad sign. Ooh, that's... Uh, they couldn't get the actress to come back. They had to replace them all. Ooh, that, that's bad. Now, for some reason, I've always given Lost World a pass because, and I think it's because I read the book and I knew those characters just weren't in the book. So in my mind, I think this movie got a pass on that. But any other any other example where you look at movie one and then movie two and like, you know, the cast members start dropping off. Like that's usually a good sign that, oh, this is getting bad then. Um, and I think that kind of bodes for Lost World. Nothing against Jeff Goldblum. He's perfectly cast in the first movie as the the smarmy, smart ass chaotician. When you thrust him in lead role, like lead support or lead leading man action hero type i love you jeff goldblum but no you that's 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 not the role you're there for uh you're there to make quips uh and stammer and say uh a lot uh, 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 and no one does that better than jeff goldblum he has made a great professional career out of stammering that's his entire acting style he's a professional stammerer I think he's a bit miscat, and it's again not that <laughs> Malcolm's character changes a lot between movies off camera, apparently. Uh, and I'm not crazy about the new direction they took him in. So, Scott, y- you want to know my "it took me out of the movie" moment? 
I most certainly do. It was when Ian Malcolm's daughter did gymnastics and kicked a velociraptor out the window. You know, I don't know if I remember that at all. I, I oh, looked, oh okay, God. usurped everything about that movie in my head. But Jay, we hung a lampshade on it. There's a line of dialogue earlier in the movie where she discusses getting cut from the gymnastics team. Yeah, and that makes it all okay. (laughs) Yes, because she so she's scared shitless the entire time of these velociraptors, basically to tears, and then all of a sudden she's like gains this unknown confidence out of God knows where, and is just like I'm gonna fucking kick this raptor out that window. And just starts flippy-flopping around on the bars that are magically in perfect position in a dilapidated frickin' old hut where you know that shit's rusted out and they would have broke. In reality, she'd have grabbed onto the first one, dropped to the floor, and been raptor food. Yeah, now now you do know that right after she does kick the, the raptor out, there's there's the scene is actually longer. There's an extended version of that scene. Uh, right after she kicks it, she has a line. Uh, and I've got it queued up here. It's you see the size of that goddamn chicken. It's true. It's true because the little—I mean, the little kid in the first one calls it a turkey. Sorry, so. right, resist. That's fine. I mean, they yeah. are basically uh, ostriches with more teeth. So right. So that's—I mean, like. Yes, I liked that there were two T-Rexes. I liked there was a baby Rex. I liked the Velociraptors in the tall grass. I did not like them getting kicked out the window. Um, or, you know, Jeff Goldblum locking the door. Little ha-ha moment. But, and I, I, I loved Roland's character. But the things I loved about it were far less than the things I hated about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we get to see new dinosaurs, which is cool. We see a stegosaurus, um, which is fun. We see two T-Rexes. And again, the the effects work is great. Stan Winston bringing back those real T-Rexes. They look badass. Uh, the baby T-Rex was the first completely self-enclosed uh, remote control out of animatronic. Uh, there were no wires or cables coming out of that because actors had to carry it around. But the whole thing was, was all like one carryable thing. Um, I question the logic of let's grab the wounded baby T-Rex and bring it back to our camper, Sarah. Yes, but, Sarah. Uh, the thing that the, the thing we have to address with this movie is it introduces something into the lore of Jurassic Park that skews the franchise to one direction or the other. Uh, for for the entirety of the franchise's existence uh, up until at least now. Uh, And that is Site B. The first movie, okay. We own a private island. We're building this theme park where people can come see dinosaurs that are genetically cloned. Cool, okay. A little far-fetched, but we'll go with it. Again, it's that man-scientist owns an island. And the second movie, also a second book, there's two islands. Hey, surprise, I owned two. Uh, and again, they hang a lampshade on that. When Ian Malcolm goes, there's there's another island with dinosaurs on it? <laughs> like, really? There's, there's fucking two of these? Um, it's written off as, oh, Site B 
is where all the real work was done. Uh, Isla Nublar, the one from the first movie, was just the showroom. Which I guess explains why they're moving the raptor in at the beginning of the first movie. Okay. Sure. Um, so there's another island with dinosaurs. No, no fences this time. Uh, that's a quote from Malcolm. Um, I don't... From the book perspective, I understand why he had to introduce a second island. I don't get it from the movie perspective. And without getting into an hour and a half shouting match between me and Jay, Jay, do you want to discuss briefly the Lysine contingency? Hoofda. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so in the first book and then in the first movie, uh, we're told that the, the dinosaurs are bred lysine deficient, meaning uh, to get the amino acid lysine, they have to be fed it by their handlers. It's a safety pro- a procedure. In case the animals ever get off the island, they'll simmer into a coma and die without getting this amino acid. Which in the novel is why there's site B. Because after the events of the first book, all those dinosaurs on site A die. So to write another book about there being dinosaurs on an island, we got to have another dinosaur island. And one of the reasons we were sending people there is because, yeah, we thought the ones on site B would all die too, but they're still alive. Go figure that out. Okay. So. Put a pin in that. Because in about two movies, we're going to come back to why that causes some problems. Um, But we'll continue this downward spiral. (laughs) Jumping to 2001. Oh, God. With... What I, until recently, called the low point in the franchise, but we'll get to that much later. Uh, Jurassic Park 3. Made for a budget of $93 million, which, if you're keeping track, is $20 million more than the last one. And took in a grand total of $368 million at the box office, which, if you're keeping record, is a little more than half of what the previous movie did. Rotten Tomato score, critic score, 49. User score, 36. Boys, Jurassic Park 3. So I I saw this one in theaters. (laughs) Uh, I went with my oldest brother, Brian. Nice. And uh, general sort of reaction after seeing it was, what the fuck did I just watch? (laughs) Um, No redeeming qualities whatsoever to it. Uh, it added, it's like it took all of the leftover parts from Jurassic Park, the book, and the leftover parts from The Lost World, the book, and cobbled them together into this movie. And we're like, this would be cool. This would be cool. Like the aviary scene. Oh, that'd be cool. Uh, you know. Also, let's, you know, throw in a random surviving kid, I guess. Uh, and let's not explain how the boat, the people on the boat died. That's not important. Um, you're not wrong. Oh God, it's so bad. Scott, thoughts on Jurassic Park three? So once again, I, I didn't read the books or anything, so I have no you know book knowledge going into this. And apparently, I have a penchant for enjoying third movies that everyone else hates. <laughs> I actually enjoyed this movie uh, and and part of the reason I'm not going to I'm not going to say that the the plot flaws and the, the you know 
that you bring up are, are valid. And, and, and the reason I enjoy it is not because of any of that or because I didn't perceive them. It's just, I, they brought Sam Neill back. I like that character. I like him as an actor. Uh, I love the whole thing. I liked him and the, the kid together, especially whenever he has the, you know, the, the essence of T-Rex. Uh, I, I liked the comment, the comedy parts of this once again, not, not being a big, you know, Jurassic Park fan. So, not really having any expectations going in. I had no expectations going into this at all. Uh, I just went in to to see. I don't even know what I was expecting to see, but you know, the the whole thing with uh, the the people that you know the the parents of the kid that tricked him into going there and stuff, and they're like, "Oh, come on, you've been here before," and he's like, "I've never been to this island." <laughs> Love that. Uh, I just enjoyed the movie. It's a fun little ride. I, I will say that the cast. Is as the kids say, is a real banger. They but, say that. I don't know what that means. Never I, say that again. Uh, <laughs> but uh, boy, the plot holes. I'm I'm kind of in the middle. Um, there's plenty to hate about this movie. The plot is literally just an excuse to get people back on the island. Um, but I'm enough of a fan of Jurassic Park. I, I enjoy this movie for what it attempted to do. I love the idea of um, there are species on the island not on InGen's list of things they tried to create. So what was InGen really doing out here? Uh, the Spinosaurus uh, being, you know, that's kind of their, their excuse for how that gets there. Um, I love finally seeing the, the some version of the Jurassic Park river ride. Uh, I absolutely love the aviary scene. Like, I, I think, Jason, you hit the nail on the head there. It's 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 less a plot and more of a series of scenes that got cut from other movies cobbled together into one uh, feature length film. And if you just look at it episodically, like if you just watch the river scene, uh, if you just watch the aviary scene, um, they're not bad scenes. It's when you try to string them all together and tell some kind of cohesive story with it, it all falls apart. Um, I love seeing Sam Neill and, and, and what Grant has been up to. Although I think everyone's a bit disappointed in him and Ellie didn't get together. Uh, and she's now married and has kids that that was a little weird. Um, but, uh, see, I like him and Ellie not getting together because, you know, in, when, when she, she got married because she, she wanted to settle down. She was past that part of her life. She'd been there, done that. She wanted more. But uh, the character of, of of Grant, he he's the he he's the perpetual little boy that's always doing his thing. He's never going to want to quote unquote settle down. He'll never move past this part of his life. So, yeah, I like. I don't care. Their romantic leads in a movie. I want them to be together forever. Yeah. that's how movies work uh, also John I just want to throw out I do enjoy the aviary scene until I don't even remember Billy jumps off the railing with the um, the repacked parachute the repacked not parachute paraglider it's you know it's for parasailing it's not an actual parachute it's not how that works <laughs> apparently it is in this universe uh well it's, the spinosaurus is awesome the t-rex versus spinosaurus fight is really cool 
Um, and there's an innate part of all of us that's the five-year-old and wants to see dinosaurs fight. Um, and this movie delivers that. We, we, we see dinosaurs fighting. It's cool. Uh, I love the little the cheeky nod when the they're um, they're on the river trying to get to the beach. And the Spinosaurus is underwater chasing them. And the spine of the Spinosaurus creeps up like the fin and jaws. That that gets me every time. I love that. It's awesome. Um, so, again, I think it, if you watch it in sections, it's not bad. If you watch it all strung together, it's like this makes no goddamn sense. Uh, See, and the rappers are all different for no reason because we they were trying to update them to current scientific guessing of what they look like, um, even though as fans have pointed out, and this is what I thought would have taken Scott out of the film. Um, so they updated the look of the Raptors to try to put them back in line with what at the time scientists now thought they would have looked like, even though as Grant himself points out, these are not real dinosaurs. They're theme park attraction monsters. They shouldn't look like real Raptors. Well, that's, that's where I thought they were going to get you Scott, but see that doesn't take me out of the movie because uh, when it comes to you know science and geeky stuff, I always lean toward more toward uh, physics and math and chemistry and stuff like that. But I don't I don't care for 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 dinosaurs because that's it. it in my in my opinion, it's not even actual science. It's just hey, these bones kind of fit together. What if they did this? What? Okay, sure. I don't care. Pin those two bones together. I don't care. Y- you know. Okay, so for all of our paleontologist fans, send your hate mail to <laughs> yeah. iHeartStamos at gmail.com, uh, care of uh, Commander Scott Sucks. Yep, I am going to state it. Paleontology is not a real science. Ooh. The opinions expressed by Scott Cox on the show <laughs> do not necessarily represent that of the Tottenham Toomey Network and should not be taken as such. <laughs> Uh, it's an elaborate professional guessing game hey i found this does it fit with anything i don't know i might need it here take it maybe you could fit it in somewhere here's some super too the uh the scene that took me out of the movie was dr alan grant having a dream that he was talking to a velociraptor alan yeah that was a little weird (laughs) i was like what the fuck is this if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have that great meme. Now, I have to say something here. I'm I'm actually a little surprised that the doc likes Jurassic Park. Oh? Yeah. Because you're supposed to have dinosaurs and everything. And you get... <laughs> there will be dinosaurs on this dinosaur island. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> dinosaur tour. But, but you get, in the course of all these movies you get a lot of scenes of humans reacting to dinosaurs, much like humans reacting to giant robots, which he hates. And I don't get it because it's the exact same thing. It's not the same. It is. The the amount of dinosaur screen time, I guarantee you, is the exact same thing as, as, as the Transformers screen time. And the shots of people reacting to dinosaurs is the same screen time of shots of people reacting to dinosaurs. Hey, listen, we can, we can debate this sometime, but I'm just going to say this much. And there's no real arguing with this point. An hour and a half of Shia LaBeouf is different than an hour and a half of Sam Neill. Ah, now that's true. I'll grant you that. But that is a whole different argument from your original <laughs> argument, sir. It's just saying. Scott, Scott, you'll, you'll grant 
him that. I will <laughs> grant him that. <laughs> anyway, Jurassic Park 3 sucks. <laughs> That's okay. Hold on to that thought. So the series, uh, based on the lack of performance of this one, goes dormant for quite some time until 2015 when we get the sort of legacy sequel, Jurassic World, which on a $150 million budget, which again, biggest budget so far, brought in $1.67 billion worldwide. Rotten Tomatoes score, 71. Critic score, 78. Uh, fan score. Finally get to see what that park looks like up and running. Um, thoughts on Jurassic World, guys? So, I saw this movie in theaters. <laughs> uh, okay, at this point, Jay, I want you to tell us if you didn't see it in theaters, okay? All right. Otherwise, uh, we'll just assume. Okay. Um, but that ruins the fun. But anyway... Uh, this one had me emotionally charged for it uh, because of the nostalgia of the original Jurassic Park and going to see it in theaters just was like, it took me back to seeing the first Jurassic Park in theaters. And I'm not ashamed to say that like I got choked up when the little kid, I don't know, we'll call him younger brother. Um, runs up to the window and flings open the curtains and that melody starts up and you see the park in all of its glory that it would have been with actual people visiting. I was just like, oh, you get me, Jurassic World. You get me. Um, I'm going to piggyback right off that because uh, the entire opening of that movie is just beautifully done. And that's a day it, it is targeted right at us, man. Like they are yeah. coming at us hard because it starts out with they're at home and they're leaving to go on the trip and then they're at the airport and then they're there. They land and then they're on the ferry and they get off the ferry and they're on the island and they get from the ferry to the monorail and we see the big gates open and then we get to the hotel room and like they are slowly teasing, like putting us in the perspective of if you were going to go to this park, here's what it would look like. Because here's you're leaving the house, and then you're getting out in the airport, and then you're going to the thing, and you're going to the monorail, and like it puts you right in that perspective. And that kid, his line is something to the effect of, uh, I don't want to wait. Rips open the curtain, we go right through the window, music cues, bam, there you are, Jurassic Park. Like that is, it is Colin Trevorrow, <coughs> if you're listening, because I know he listens to our show. Beautifully done, sir. Uh, you, it is, it's, it's, it's cheap nostalgia, but goddamn, you played it well. Yeah. Um, I got choked up. I did. I was like, oh, God, look at it. It's so beautiful. You're right, kid. I don't want to wait anymore either. Um, now, with with everything I loved about it, and I loved, and I know, <laughs> I know that you and I differ on this, this part, but I loved the fact that it was the same T-Rex from the original island, from the original park. Uh, I liked all the little subtle nods. To them being like, yeah, this is the same T-Rex. Um, and for you to try to figure that out on your own. Um, I liked Chris Pratt and his character. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of the, you know, we can sort of train Velociraptors thing. but uh, And I, I will say you cannot restart that old of a Jeep with a... 
side by side battery and a couple torques with a wrench. Hey, remember that time we fixed that car at Grandpa's? And you're just like, oh god. And what do we call that, kids? Hanging the lampshade. Oh, it's fine now because we pointed it out. Um, yeah. Anyway, Scott. Eh. <laughs> okay. Just... <laughs> I, I watched it. It was okay. I, I didn't really, uh, literally, this movie just banked off of nostalgia. That, that's all this movie did. Um, the, the story was basically a rehash of Jurassic Park again. Um, yeah, but with an Indominus Rex. Ooh, big lizard. Yeah, camouflage. Uh, so it's predator. And- Henry Wu was up to some stuff. Yeah, I, I just I watched it and it's like okay between nostalgia and Chris Pratt, that that's what made the that, that that's why this movie made money. You're not wrong. I mean, I yeah, that's all it played on. I, I watched it and because I didn't have the nostalgia of the first movie because I only seen the movie a few times and I'm like oh okay, eh. It's it's so much so. I, I'll be honest. I'll just go ahead and say up front. I didn't even see the the next movie. So oh, don't worry. So yeah, we'll it, get to that. I mean, it's an okay movie, but it's it's just in that same vein of hey, let's you remember when we did stuff that was good? Let's just redo that again and play off everybody's nostalgia. Okay, cool. Eh. I I don't see the problem. Given when this movie came out. And legacy sequels were just starting to be kind of like the big new trend in Hollywood. Um, I loved this movie when it came out. I still like it now. I have I've soured a bit on some of it because I don't think it necessarily holds uh, holds up to repeat viewings. But I loved seeing what we all wanted to see at some point, which is the park up and running. Like, what would Jurassic Park have looked like? This exactly down to the. You know, uh, this attraction sponsored by such and such company, the Indominus Rex sponsored by what was it, like T-Mobile or whatever. Um, the the uh, Margaritaville restaurant and the main strip of the shopping center. Like that's exactly what a th- if this was a real theme park, that's exactly what it would look like. And I loved every bit of that. Um, speaking I, I, of. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Speaking of the Margaritaville restaurant, mm-hmm. Jimmy Buffett makes a cameo as the guy who grabs the two margaritas and runs away. Cause he's cheap. <laughs> uh, I love that we brought back uh, uh, Dr. Henry Wu. Cause he's one of those characters who's in the novels. He's a huge, very important character in the first novel and his role is very downplayed in the first movie. So I love that we brought him back. Um, I love the idea of genetically modifying and playing God with dinosaurs a bit. Um, I, I that whole fight at the end between the Irex and the T Rex and the Raptor and the Mosasaur, fucking brilliant. That was awesome. Um that that again, that that's what nineteen ninety three fourth grade John was dying to see. That shit's awesome. Um I love that we're back on Isla Nublar for the first time in forever. Um for and we the actually first time in forever. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh I love that uh we, we actually end up back at the the visitor center from the first movie briefly but we're there um that was cool um it brings up a whole bunch of questions i have for uh the next segment of the show uh but i i I really i loved it at the time 
And maybe it is just because I have huge nostalgia for the the franchise, and this this gave me lots of things I wanted to see the first time around. Um, but, and this is where me and Jay are going to come to come to head a little bit. It's sold as a sequel. I mean, it is and it isn't. It's a sequel to Jurassic Park. This movie seems to ignore everything that came in Lost World and Jurassic Park 3. It seems to be a straight sequel to the first Jurassic Park. It only ever references stuff from the first movie. It doesn't talk at all about the T-Rex rampaging through San Diego or Site B or we don't see a Spinosaurus anywhere. There's nothing to connect it. And that's where me and Jay's argument over the T-Rex thing came in. Um, Jay insisting, it's the same one, it's the same one, it has the scars from fighting the raptors. And me saying, it can't be, because the one on that island died, that's why we had to go to Site B. Remember that Lysine contingency? Apparently in this universe, uh, either it didn't exist, or we went back and saved the dinos before it kicked in. Because according to the Jurassic World website, that is the same T-Rex. So, very quickly, my argument is that there were there's plant life on Isla, Isla Nublar that has lysine in it. The herbivores eat the lysine-contained plant life. The carnivores eat the herbivores, therefore getting their lysine. So John's, not- John's argument is that they've completely terraformed the entire island and replanted prehistoric plant life, which I argued is completely infeasible. They literally talk about it in the first movie. There are plants. Yeah, Laura Dern pulls a plant leaf and says, this is extinct. Why is this here? Because they're growing some of it, not the entire island. There's no way you would completely deface the topography of an entire island and replant prehistoric plants. Yeah, because John Hammond spares expense. Ooh, no, he doesn't. Anyway, Scott, you were going to say? Well, so not knowing exactly what the lysine is supposed to do on a biological level, obviously it has to be metabolized by them somehow to actually affect their, you know, their system. Because um, if it's inert all the way through, it'll just pass through them. So it has to be metabolized. So if the herbivores are eating the plants and then having the lysine, and then they're metabolizing the lysine, now, granted, they're not going to metabolize 100% of it, but the, 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 the meat eaters would have to eat like a crap ton of uh, herbivores to, to, to get any amount of appreciable lysine in their system. And the only reason Jay has that excuse is because it's the bullshit excuse they wrote into Lost World. Because they raised that question and then forgot to answer it and then threw that in there as an offhand comment. Now, if you're talking about the nostalgia of the movie showing you stuff you wanted to see in the first movie, where the hell is my explanation for the control of cellular mitosis? <laughs> they didn't get that memo, Scott. Sorry. Exactly. So, you know what? They're rat bastards. Fair enough. Well, Fair enough. Let's, let's just be real. Obi John is just holding this grudge because he was wrong about something in a movie that I was right about, and he's upset about it. It has nothing to do with you being right or wrong, Jay. It has everything to do with the movie going back on its own. And again, because it only follows what's told to us in Jurassic Park 1. 
Listen, it's I'm still ignoring the rules of its own franchise. Chalking up the victory. I was right. You Take were wrong. Take the win. I don't care, dude. It's not a. It's not an ego grudge. It's uh, <laughs> you're you're contradicting your own rules, movie. You can tell me whatever you want. You whatever movie you're is, whatever your rules for your world are, fine. Tell me what they are, and I will believe them. But when you start going back on your own rules you established, fuck you, movie. Yeah, fuck you, Terminator franchise. I mean, god damn. <laughs> oh. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, anyway, because Scott, if uh, metal is liquid, then it's no longer metal, and it can go back through time. Yeah, apparently, everyone, everyone knows that. Apparently, once metal becomes liquid, then it, it's treated as uh, organic matter. I don't yep. know why, but yeah, because it's liquid now. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> And if you cover a uh, metal endoskeleton in more liquid metal, it can go back in time too. So, and here's the thing: if, if I'm sorry, I don't want me to get off on the, on the franchise. But <laughs> in the first movie, if if they know they can send metal objects back in time if it's covered with organic material, why don't you just you know wrap a couple of futuristic weapons in hamburger? Uh, it would get too cooked uh, when it came out, and your your weapons would come out. Um, well, have a snack. Well done. <laughs> then you have a snack. You eat your way to your weapon. You're full. You got plenty of protein. Ready to go kick some Terminator ass. Um, I was gonna say they didn't have time to, but it's a time machine, so I can't really use that excuse. Sorry. <laughs> Just okay. That out. It's okay. Anyway, moving on. Uh, no, like I said, Jurassic World, uh, the, the more you watch it, the more you look at it, it's clearly ignoring uh, Lost World and Jurassic Park 3. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Because we're getting to the bad thing. So that movie made all the money. I believe it was the highest grossing film of that year. Um, revitalized the franchise. Uh, so in 2018, we get Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, brought in $1.31 billion, the highest, uh, sorry, second highest of the franchise, on a budget of $170 million. Yep, they keep spending more money. Rotten Tomato score, 47 critic score, 48 audience score. I have nothing nice to say about this movie, so if anyone else wants to go first. I didn't even see it. That's the nicest thing anyone can say about this movie. <laughs> Uh, I saw this movie in theaters. <laughs> and you're still waiting for your money back, right? Um, so, uh, the hinting back to a previous show that we did talking about movie trailers, which I was going to bring up earlier that The Lost World gave us one of the most awesome scenes in the trailer where the T-Rex pokes its head into the tent. And you you weren't sure why. But anyway, the trailer sold this as a sequel to Jurassic World being the Lost World version of Jurassic World. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got to go back to the island to save dinosaurs because it's going to explode. Yep. Right? And that's what yep. you expected going in. Every not trailer. Yeah, the volcano's going to blow. Yep. Not anywhere near the movie we got. So I was very disappointed with that. In fact, well, everything from the trailer was within like the first what, 
20 minutes of the movie. I, I was going to say, Jay, that is exactly the movie they gave you if you just watched the first 30 minutes of the movie. <clears throat> right? So then uh, it just, it like, shit goes real sour. It's like, hey, we need a new big baddie dinosaur. Remember the Indominus Rex? Yeah. Let's make it smaller and call and black. it Indoraptor. And black, because black yes. is scarier. Um. Also, but I will say one of my favorite parts of the movie was the opening where they are trying to harvest the skeleton, which don't even get me started on why the skeleton was there because clearly the Mosasaur ate the Indominus Rex whole because, and then pooped it out whole. Yeah. So anyway, the bones, right? Whatever. Anyway, so they're there to harvest the bones to get powder, to make DNA for whatever. But I like that scene because of the Mosasaur in it and because of, you know, you hear a Dilophosaurus in the background and then the T-Rex shows up. It's just kind of a cool scene. But basically, the the rest of the movie is just a shit sandwich. Oh, also, we cloned a person. But that's just a side note. <laughs> Was okay, it Samuel L. Jackson? Did they did they close Samuel L. Jackson back? No, no, we're not we're not that lucky. It was um oh god, Some I can't think of his name now. What is his name? Not John Hammond. Not John Hammond. Yeah, but who played him? Not John Hammond. <sighs> god, it's uh, Zephyr Cochran, Scott. Yeah. You know, I don't know that actor's name. His name is Ephraim Cochran. No, uh, okay. Before I lose track, Jay? Yeah. Uh, here are my notes, and I, I, I try to sort them in positive and negative. There, there are no positives here. It's the only Jurassic Park slash Jurassic World movie I don't own and refuse to spend money on again. It has my one of my like, most hated tropes of movie sequels of all time. The couple that we watched get together in the first movie, we have now arbitrarily broken up off screen in between movies. So you can again. It literally destroys Island Nublar. You know, we were so happy to get back to the original island in the first movie, and so many people loved that we're back on the original island and we get to see it as a park. Yeah, that was cool. That thing people loved about the first movie. Let's literally blow it up. And we replace that, that amazing island uh, theme park gone awry setting. Okay, so what new setting do we have to replace that with? What cool, exciting venue can we put the action for the, the second half of this movie? A big creepy mansion. Because that's where you want to see dinosaurs, right? A big creepy mansion? Yep. The scene with the Brachiosaur standing on the dock, burning to death as the island is covered in magma. Fuck you, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Fuck you. Liquid hot magma. Clearly playing off everyone's nostalgia of the the scene in the first movie where the first dinosaur we see is the Brachiosaur. And here's the last one we see on the island. It's the Brachiosaur again as it gets slowly burnt alive. Fuck you, movie. Uh, There's a character in the movie who's a dinosaur veterinarian who, until the events of this movie has never seen a real dinosaur. How did you get your degree? 
<laughs> in paleontology, it's easy. They just give him some bones and see if he can make something that looks neat. No, no. Veterinarian, Scott. Dinosaur veterinarian who's never seen a dinosaur before. Uh, uh, my favorite... Sorry. My, go ahead. my favorite part about the dinosaur veterinarian is when they're trying to give a blood transfusion to Blue. And she's like, yeah, just go get blood from a carnivore that's either two or three fingered. Of course they're going to go get it from the T-Rex. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Well, they had to cross type and match. So, you know, uh, the main plot involves getting dinosaurs off the Island so we can sell them to the highest bidder in a dinosaur auction in the basement of the creepy mansion. John Hammond's long-lost silent partner, who we've never talked about before, suddenly makes an appearance in this movie. Just so we can introduce the plotline where he had a falling out with John Hammond because John Hammond didn't want him to use this technology to clone people, which is exactly what he did! Because that's what I want in my Dinosaur Island movie, cloning people. Hey, let's not forget that the human clone let all the dinosaurs go at the end because we're the same. Well, yeah, that happened. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it segues right into the next you know, movie, the Jurassic Park Attack of the Clones. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a better title. <laughs> uh, no, my, uh, my final nail on the head uh, fuck you movie. The trailers... Featured very predominantly the return of stammering uh, Jeff Goldblum in uh, what appeared to be uh, a comeback role. He's in one scene. One scene in the whole movie in a courtroom. At it the book end. ends the movie. Yeah, that's it. His total screen time, maybe 90 seconds. He was in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom less than Luke was in The Force Awakens. You're probably right. But he at least said words. He sure did. They found a way to get him to say, life will find a way. Gotta get that for the trailers, guys. I hate this movie. I absolutely hate this movie. Uh, the part where they killed the Brachiosaur and, and left the island is was one of the, a, a handful of times where I literally checked my watch at a movie. I'm like, all right, how much fucking longer do I have to sit here? Uh, me and Whitney saw it together, and she was even like, yeah, as soon as that happened, you were done with this movie. I was like, yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, never won me back. This was a stupid, stupid movie. Um, even if the first one wasn't a very smart movie, it at least played off nostalgia. It was fun. It it sold itself as here's dinosaurs on an, uh, on an island run amok, and it gave you dinosaurs on an island running amok. This movie sold you as something it wasn't, then gave you genetically engineered smaller IREX running rampant in a haunted house stalking a g- little girl. What the fuck? Yeah. Hate this. It makes me mad. It's not good. So, say what you will about Jurassic Park 3. I will watch Jurassic Park 3 with that talking raptor, Alan, uh, a million times on repeat before I ever watch Fallen Kingdom again. At least they had some good things to say about Jurassic Park 3. Uh, And I think it's a crime. 
that Fallen Kingdom somehow got higher ratings on Rotten Tomatoes than Jurassic Park 3 did, it should be a zero. The movie is terrible. Not, not even good. the charisma of Chris Pratt can save this movie because he has nothing to do in this movie. Okay. Sorry. I had to get that out of me. All right, then. Moving on. What? So that's, that is what we've gotten from the franchise. That is all at, at present, all five movies in the franchise. Just wrapped shooting, uh, currently scheduled for release July 10th, 2022. The third film in the Jurassic World trilogy, Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, here's what we know about it. It is written and directed by Colin Trevorrow, who did Jurassic World, but did not do Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom because he was supposed to be doing Star Wars, but that's a whole different episode. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt are returning. The Holy Trinity, Laura Dern, Sam Neill, and Jeff Goldblum are returning, hopefully in more than just a courtroom scene. And B.D. Wong, as Dr. Henry Wu, is also coming back. Guys, this movie has something we have not seen since the first Jurassic Park. Are you ready? The, the, the cane with the amber on it? Nah, nah. Oh, oh sorry. Not John Hammond. In the Fallen Kingdom, has that same cane. They made they made them together. Okay. That, uh, anyway, yeah, what's sorry, the thing no. that it... Dotson? We've got Dotson. Oh, Dotson's back. Yes, the character, not the same actor, and I'm not going to tell you why it's not the same actor because that's just fucked up. Uh, <laughs> the character of Dotson will be once again returning into Jurassic World: The Dominion. Um, that has me way too excited. Uh, we don't know anything about the plot officially, and there has not been a trailer yet. Story is said to include, is based around the idea of dinosaurs becoming, quote, open source. Uh, the idea that this technology exists, but only Dr. Henry Wu was able to create dinosaurs just seems implausible. So with this movie, they want to explore the idea of um, anyone being able to create dinosaurs for various reasons and uses. And Colin Trevorrow described it as a celebration of everything that has existed in the franchise up until now. He also said there'll be no genetic hybrid dinosaurs in this movie. Uh, So with that, guys, are we excited for this movie? I'm going to go see it in theaters. (laughs) Well, thanks, Jay. Something different for you. Listen, I said there was a trend. I've seen every... Every Jurassic Park property that comes out, I will go see in theaters. Okay. Just like just like every Tremors movie that gets released, I will watch at some point. <sighs> but yes. Eight of them now? Is it yeah. eight? I, however many it is, I've seen them all. But my point is, Jurassic Park, I'm that big of a fan of the franchise of the property that you sell me Jurassic Park, I'll go see it in theaters. Just like Star Wars. If it's got Star Wars in the title, I'll go see it in theaters. I'll fork over the money to go see it. Good, bad, or otherwise. That's what I'll do. Fair enough. Because that's how I roll. But I have zero I'm gonna say you right now I have zero expectations for this movie because of Fallen Kingdom. 
So, Commander Scott. Oh yeah, I I, I don't care. I, I have no no desire. I will not see it. I, it's so far off my radar. I, I I didn't even know they were in production for a new one. Didn't even know a new one had been planned. I honestly thought the last movie had killed it. <laughs> oh, it killed it all right. Uh, I um look. I want to believe. Uh, I love this franchise too much. Uh, as terrible as the last one was, the fact that Colin Trevorrow is much more involved in this one, um, gives me a little bit of hope. He's saying all the right things so far. Um as far as uh, assuaging my issues with the last movie. Um, and if his uh, script for Star Wars Episode Nine, uh, which didn't get made, is any indication, uh, he knows how to tie up a franchise uh, in, a, in a meaningful and uh, fulfilling way. Um, uh, so, yes, I'll see it. Um, knowing my wife will be their opening night. Um but it has to win me back at this point, man. Um, Fallen Kingdom just really took all the... I mean, like Jurassic World was one of those... Granted, yeah, maybe not the most original stories, but I love Jurassic Park, and it gave me more of what I wanted from Jurassic Park. It, maybe, um, it was definitely coasting on nostalgia, but I enjoyed it, and I was in for it. All the fun just got sucked out of the room with the second movie. So this third one really has some heavy lifting to do. Um, we'll see. But that brings us to our final topic. Uh, we know what's coming. We're mixed on it. Guys, what do you actually want to see from the Jurassic Park franchise going forward? Scott, I'll let you go first. Uh, that's easy. Not a damn thing. <laughs> I really want this entire franchise to die on the vine. Oh, I'm sorry. I just, it's gone on way too long. There's only so many times you can watch dinosaurs run amok. There's only so many times you can watch giant robots blowing shit up. That's very true. You're wrong, but it's still true. I was going to say, <laughs> did, did you hear yourself, Jason? Are you feeling okay? Wait, I meant Transformers, not Pacific is this, Rim. Is this really Jay? Is this a clone of Jay? Yeah. Uh, did like, somebody find Jay in, encased in amber and make a clone of him? Uh, uh, yeah, I just... No. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just I, I don't see anything new in this series at all. Cause it, but it's also like, once again, I'm not a fan of monster movies, and that's kind of what these are, because there's only so many times I can watch Godzilla stomp a city. There's only so many times I can watch King Kong do what King Kong does, which is just be a giant gorilla. I, I, I don't... It's the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. I, I don't care. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think my well, next guest might disagree with you there, Jay. <laughs> well, John... I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to an episode you and I did together and bring it up again. That because yeah, it's the top of my list. What I want to see is the the space in between yes. Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Yes. Show, show me asset containment. Show me how did they wrangle the T Rex? How did they get it? You know. Lysine contingency be damned. I don't give a shit at that point. If you can show me, like, sort of an action 
movie with asset containment going out and wrangling the dinosaurs. That's what I want. How did they turn the old island into the new island? Why did we decide to build a whole new structure when we had already built buildings that we apparently just abandoned? Why was the entire... Because, again, in Jurassic World, we see the entire original park is still there. They just left it uh, in, in sitting where it was and built the new park on the bones of that. Why did we leave all that there? Was there some reason behind it? Um, yeah, I'm with you, dude. Like, there's, there's, that's the movie I want to see. That's the interesting story. Um, how did we get from Jurassic World 93, or sorry, Jurassic Park 93 to Jurassic World 2015? Fill in that gap. Uh, there's some really good story to mine there. And I think that would be awesome. Because then you can also ignore the fact that we blew up the island in Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, let's just, can we, I, I wish they could, they, I know they can't, but let just retcon that island being destroyed. Let's just eliminate Fallen Kingdom to begin with, that would be nice. <laughs> Hashtag ignore Fallen Kingdom. Yes. <laughs> Hashtag Fallen Kingdom is not canon, there we go. Um, <laughs> I would, this, this is going to sound crazy, but I want to see Site B get closed down because of that typhoon. Like, I'm assuming Site B closed at the same time because of the typhoon that hit uh, Isla Nublar. Um, but I want to see, like, what led to those events. Does Site B even exist in this world? Again, yeah. we, the Jurassic World skips right over everything from Lost World and Jurassic Park 3. So, as far as I know, if you're following Jurassic Park, then Jurassic World, there is no Site B. Yeah, what if there is a site so, B? Cool. Exactly. I don't know. There, there, there's there's a lot of questions for us nerds. Um, I also want to see something you've teased us about but have completely failed to deliver on. You have Dr. Henry Wu playing mad scientist, genetically crossbreeding dinosaurs, and the best you can come up with is a big raptor? That's all you got? We took a raptor and made it the size of a T-Rex. We call it the Indominus Rex. Okay, movie two. Let's try this again. Okay, we took the one we made in the last movie. We made it smaller. So you you made a raptor. Well, no, no, it's an IREX. No, so you made a raptor again. If you're going to crossbreed dinos, I'm going to borrow a line from the franchise. I want you to get nuts. Let's get nuts. Get crazy with this shit, man. Go full-on mad scientist. Give me a, 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 an, an ankylosaur armored shell with the wings of a pteranodon and 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 the, the horns of a, a triceratops get crazy with this shit man get nuts well if you Sell wind those up action figures if you wind up getting eaten by a tricycloplots or whatever don't come crying to me call it whatever you want i don't <laughs> care but if you're gonna have this whole notion of we're genetically engineering dinosaurs and and just, just I don't care about the science. Just go nuts with it, man. Uh, give us something we haven't seen before. Give us something new. Again, sell those action figures, man. Give me Robert Muldoon with a rocket launcher. That is my next point. <laughs> <laughs> Do this as a flat-out horror movie slash monster movie. Uh, get gory, because the original novels 
uh, are not kid stuff. They are not family friendly. Uh, people yeah. die in very gruesome ways. Uh, babies are eaten out of their beds in the opening of Jurassic Park, the book. It's true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Shit gets dark. So I have, and there's an asterisk next to it, Jay. Let's drink some whiskey while driving a Jeep through the jungle and blowing up raptors with a rocket launcher. Love it. But Muldoon would have wanted. Muldoon, you're my boy. You went out too soon. You're my boy, you... Book Muldoon. Just movie Muldoon kind of went out like a bitch. I'm going to say it. Like, yeah, he got eaten by a raptor, but come on, Book Muldoon wouldn't have let that shit happen. Well, you know what the problem was? He couldn't have his whiskey, and he's like, Popeye with that whiskey, man. If he had the yeah. whiskey, he'd have been fine. He would have arm wrestled that raptor and been fine. God, was, it wasn't even like a... He was in like a cement pipe and blew off the leg of a raptor with his rocket launcher. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> So that's what we want, Universal. Get on it. Give us that in-between cool with the hybrid dinos and the drinking whiskey with a Jeep and a rocket launcher. Right. It doesn't have to be Muldoon. It just has to be some guy drinking whiskey. Maybe maybe Muldoon had a brother. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Robert. Let's see. Randy Muldoon. Yeah. Can we get the same actor back? No, I don't think we can. Didn't he die of a uh, who's the, uh, hold on? Uh, Graham McTavish, get him as is Muldoon too. I don't know him. Do I look know him up? You you know him? Okay, hold on. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, anything else we want to see from the franchise uh, besides Scott just doesn't care anymore. All right then. Nope. Uh, <laughs> well, let us know. What do you want to see from Jurassic Park? Are you like Scott? Have you had enough already? Or did you have enough like five movies ago, but it just keeps going? Uh, are you like me and Jay? Do you want to get nuts with it? Um, are there, is there still stuff from the, the novels you haven't seen in the movies and, and think they should do that? Uh, let us know. Uh, guys, thanks for being with me. Uh, thank you and home for listening. And as always, this has been your weekly Nerd Alert.